0: All right, let's go to another interesting player. 14th on the list is Jake Lever. So another player that started their career at a different team. He was pick 14 in the 2014 draft for Adelaide. And, uh, yeah, really hit the ground running in his early seasons, 2015 to 2017 Uh I just remember seeing highlight packages of him just throwing himself back into contests, taking contested marks, and like, you just don't really see that many really young kids doing this. And yeah, he's a good size for a defender, and yeah, just his attack on the ball and uh, his ability to mark under all sorts of situations really stood out to me. So he did play in the 2017 grand final where. Adelaide got touched up by Richmond and, uh, yeah, requested a trade back to Melbourne in the offseason. So rubbed a few people the wrong way, in particular Tex Walker. But I don't think Lever really had too many problems with that. And, uh, yeah, was happy to start the second phase of his career at Melbourne. And uh, with Lever being such a, you know, prized early pick and having, you know, played some really good seasons early on, Melbourne actually had to give up two picks to get him in the first round, so it was pick ten in uh, 2017, and also Melbourne's first round pick in 2018, which would turn out to be quite a low, a high pick, seeing because Melbourne did so well uh, that season. But uh, yeah, pretty steep price to pay there. I think there might have been Melbourne getting back like a second round pick or something like that as well, but
1: a future second, I think, yeah,
0: a future second. So big investment there, Johnny.
1: I wasn't totally sold on it. I, I wanted to get Lever, but I, I felt like we may have bent over a little bit there. But look, you don't know what's happening behind the scenes, obviously. Uh, it would
0: have been worse, I think, if Melbourne had done worse in 2018. Like that 2018 first round pick could have been a very low pick if Melbourne hadn't done too well. But as it turns out, that pick would have been, what, like somewhere around 15, 16? Because Melbourne. You know, makes the prelim, but uh, yeah, it did seem like a steep price.
1: Yeah, it did. It did, and um, obviously, he was coming on bigger money as well, so it, it was it was a, a big price to pay for, I guess, a, an intercept defender. But yeah, look, had high hopes for him. To, it was it was a need that we addressed, um, and it was he he started off quite slow, I think, in twenty eighteen for the first few weeks, but. Then got it together. um, Played about a month of really good footy. And then the knee injury against the Bulldogs. So it was was a bit of a worry, that injury as well. I wasn't sure if the rehab was going as well as they'd planned at first. Um, And he got back in 2019. But it it did take a little bit of time for him to find his feet again, I guess. But last year, 2020, I think he looked natural again. And he was moving better. And yeah this year all australian i mean it it's a perfect recovery really when you look at it
0: yeah it was looking quite dodgy early on wasn't it with those knee injuries so uh, he missed a lot of football and uh yeah it was yeah jury was out on whether you know melbourne should have recruited him and all those sorts of things but uh when he did get back to sort of somewhere near full fitness, it seemed like Melbourne were sort of trying to use him as sort of a one-on-one defender to begin with. And yeah, it really wasn't his go. Like, I think he's a bit better one-on-one now, but back then uh, he was getting pretty badly exposed against some of the bigger forwards. So uh, yeah, I think Melbourne learned pretty quickly that they needed to, to try and uh, get him onto uh, maybe the third forward or maybe even one of the smaller forwards where he could zone off a bit.
1: Well, yeah, when he came in, we were we had Oscar McDonald at full back, I guess, and he was essentially the centre-half back, and they were making him play one-on-one, and there was all that talk that we needed to bring Sam Frost into the team so he could play his role. So there was a bit of that for a while, I guess, and he has definitely improved his one-on-one defending, but there's no doubt he plays his best as a, as a zoning-off defender and just, doing what he does and he's perfected that role this year
0: yeah absolutely so most intercept possessions for any player ever in 2021 and uh, averaging quite a number of intercept marks per game and yeah very valuable especially when you consider what happens going back the other way a lot of Melbourne scoring chains was starting with uh, these sort of intercept marks and getting some potent offense going back the other way and uh, yeah all Australian as you said Johnny. And, uh, yeah, really good at marshalling the defence and just getting people to get into the right position. I'm sure they probably know a fair bit about it by now, but, you know, it never hurts to be reminded. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, very important cog into the best defence of 2021. And I think, I can't remember what podcast it was, I did mention that, you know, he's worth every part of the picks we gave away from him. And I think even the most skeptical Melbourne supporter would now say that that trade has paid off with what he's done in the last couple of years. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, that was Melbourne's Achilles heel through that sort of 2017, 2018 period where they were getting better. Often they were, uh, giving up a number of goals to tall forwards and, uh, you know when you when your key defenders are Oscar McDonald and Sam Frost, it's not hard to see why.
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Look, Oscar. I, I liked Oscar's year in twenty eighteen, but he was playing. He was playing above himself, and he was he did have his limitations.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I guess you know you could say Jake Lever possible. Future captain, I think there's a lot of uh, yeah. guys that could be that potential captains, ring, but uh, definitely, uh, absolutely, you know, good material. leader, definitely, yeah, for sure, and uh, yeah, perfect player for Melbourne to get in around this time where they were trying to s- set out the backline and just get a you know better balanced team, I suppose. And it did take a while be- with those knee injuries, but they see- he seems to have put that behind him, and uh, yeah, onwards and upwards, hopefully, onwards and
1: upwards. Yep, fantastic.
0: All right, let's move to fifteenth now. So another player from another team. We've got Ed Langdon. So originally he was pick number fifty four in the two thousand and fourteen draft, and uh, yeah, I remember. I don't know how much you remember about Langdon's time at Frio, but I do always remember him going on sort of long searching runs at Frio, and yeah, he seemed that seemed to be sort of his one wood, and he did he did stand out even if he wasn't the most glamorous player like. You could definitely you could definitely run with the ball <laughs> so it was really a very purposeful recruit for Melbourne uh, arriving in 2019 so that identified that basically they didn't have any wingers <laughs> so for for quite a while Melbourne played without any uh, proper wingman obviously they had players playing on the wing but it was usually either a midfield or like a half forward half back who was you know being forced to go play on the wing and they didn't really you know they didn't really understand the role and i think this is actually one of the things that hurt melbourne for a long time and why why they weren't very good at the mcg because you know the mcg is long and it's wide and you need to use the wings yeah and uh melbourne didn't have wingmen
1: basically and we had we really didn't have much speed going through the middle either, and it was it was really hurting us. So I remember being at the, I think it was the Queen's birthday game in 2019, and, it, yeah, we were just running after Collingwood defenders all the time, out wide, and it was just, yeah, it, it just wasn't working. And in order to play our game and, and uh, you know, lock the ball in the 50, we kind of, you need someone like that patrolling the wing and, I guess, holding the shape. And yeah. yeah. Yeah, without Langdon, we, we were just getting we were just getting burnt on turnovers all the time. Just defending in transition was just non-existent. So they identified the need, brought him in, and yeah, I guess they listened to us. <laughs> but, um, yeah. He
0: basically guards the whole side of the ground, doesn't he? He's just yeah. up and back, up and back on that wing and uh, taking the dangerous space and providing a great option going the other way as well. Oh, there were so many plays this year where you saw him sort of just – uh, you know, getting a little chip kick along the boundary and then, like, taking a few steps yeah. to offload or, you know, maybe he was running and getting a handball received. There was so much of that link-up play through the wing there.
1: Yeah, almost like the... A little bit like the Brad Hill type when he was, you know, at his peak, I guess. But, um, yeah, he's been... Yeah, sensational pickup. Um, he's... he's incredibly fast, but also his aerobic capacity is is huge. There's just not many players in the league that have both at the at an elite level. And, yeah, it helps make the whole thing work.
0: I think he almost plays like 100% of game time as well.
1: I haven't yeah. looked
0: at it a lot, but he plays Nearly almost every the week. whole game. Nearly every week, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's pretty crazy for what he's doing. And I think one of the biggest knocks on him, especially when he was coming over from Freo, was his kicking wasn't yes. great. And uh, I think his time at Melbourne, it's got steadily better, but this year it's definitely gone to another level. This year has gone to the roof, yeah. A lot of their players have with, you know, Mark Williams, making that a big uh, sticking point and making them really hone that. But, uh, yeah, vastly improved in that area.
1: It's just, um, it still amazes me how a team can improve their kicking so much in the space of one year. (laughs) Like.
0: Yeah, it is kind of crazy, isn't
1: it? <laughs> yeah, I and mean, it's it's not just obviously the skill; it's 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 how you're using your kicks and how you yeah. weight them and decision like, making. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's keep going.
0: Who is number sixteen? Uh,
1: that is Alex Neil Bullen. So, Nibbler. Uh, he was pick forty in the twenty fourteen draft, I believe. And yeah, it, it was it was definitely a tough start. I think he, he had a few injuries earlier. I think it might have been a couple of knee injuries. Uh, so at the same time as Petrarca, actually, it wasn't a, it wasn't a fun preseason for the new draftees. Uh, kicked his first goal in that famous GMHBA Stadium win in twenty fifteen, and after that, which was I think I don't think that was his debut. It might have been his second or third game, but after that, he only missed one more match that year um but in and out of the uh side a lot of VFL stints um uh, he seemed to be one of those players that was really good in the VFL like he would be getting 30 touches every single week and then when he'd be called up to the seniors he'd struggle um it just seemed to be the way there's there's some players that are just like that um actually it, yeah inside football used to do a really good VFL players ratings each week it was a really good way to to keep up to date with how the Melbourne listed players were going. So it's a bit of a shame when that went. But uh yeah, he just seemed to be that kind of player who would he worked his heart out, ran further than anyone on the list, but just didn't quite get enough of the ball, I guess. And um yeah, he was just he was an honest honest toiler. One thing I always liked about about Nibbler, he did seem to always be a very good kick into the fifty. For some reason, that just seemed to be the one thing that he was very good at spotting up a target and putting a nice low pass in. I mean, yeah. Did you what? What were your first impressions of, of Nibbler?
0: Yeah, I remember he came in as sort of like a father son type thing. I can't remember the exact arrangement, but yeah, he he did have some good games, but yeah, other games he just sort of went. Missing completely, and yeah, as you said, like there were some seasons where he just seemed to be, you know, doing a lot of unrewarded running and couldn't <clears throat> quite find the ball. But, uh, yeah, I think similar to what we were saying about Tom McDonald, he was basically put on the trade table, no one wanted him, yep, at the end of 2020, and uh, came back and uh, has kind of taken a lot of aspects of his game to the next level. Uh, he's also a very good connector, much like Tom McDonald, getting up really quite high. And uh, I think they were talking about in the grand final how he actually got a lot of his possessions in the back half, so it just shows how hard he was working. But yeah, he's still maintained the you know good ability to um, you know use the ball by foot and uh, get into dangerous space. So and he's putting on very good pressure as well. So yeah, everything sort of came together for him this year and able to find a bit more of the ball. And yeah, the other thing that really stands out to me about Neil Bullen is he's actually really good at the set shot snap. If you get it, if he gets it anywhere within sort of 40 metres on the right-hand side, or he's taking the right-hand snap, so he's actually on the left-hand side, he's usually kicking it, which can be really handy when Melbourne's going through a bit of a stretch where they have missed a couple.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, very good with that quick snap. Um, yeah, it it did all just click for him this year. I mean, he they really defined his role, and he he just worked it like worked it to a treat. And you know, he became part of the new sort of the new age of mosquito fleet. A la Richmond, I guess. Um, you know, with Spargo Pickett and just his relentless work rate. But also, he was just. He became a nightmare matchup, really, He because he'd be that sort of half forward, but then, yeah, he'd drift into the middle, and it just, it was almost impossible to pick up, I think, if you were an opposition team, and there was some really good games like that West Coast game, where I think he did get up, he got up to about 30 disposals, and it's just not the guy that you would put all your homework into, but, it, yeah, if, really happy with how he's gone, Um just another good example of you what can be achieved in the game if you persist with the hard work so yeah really really happy. I'd, I'd definitely if i was choosing a side i'd rather have 22 nibblers than 22 other guys like, yeah <laughs> um so just going back yeah. a little
0: bit further like i think he always showed glimpses like oh i did yeah that was what i guess was frustrating about him cuz he actually looked like a good player but yeah, he just he couldn't do it he couldn't do it often enough and yeah, he's been able to do that more this year. And one other thing that stands out to me about him is he's very often involved in Melbourne's uh, fast plays out of the back half. So he's often receiving somewhere around the centre and getting the ball on quickly. So yeah, very valuable in those sort of plays.
1: Absolutely. And we look forward to many years to come. Moving on, we've got James Harms. Now... Every Premiership team needs a James Harms, Dan, I think. (laughs) Uh, You better still, a story like his. Uh, Pick number two in the 2014 Rookie Draft, an avid Melbourne fan as a kid. He'd been passed over in the National Draft the year before and played the 2014 season with Casey. He got promoted in 2015 to the senior list for the injured Jack Trengove And he sort of started out as a, a sneaky forward who had good running ability, but... Um, his running ability did shine through quite quickly, and after taking the number four Guernsey in 2018, he started playing a lot more midfield time, and he really became one of the team's best pure gut running midfielders, I thought, and after some chopping and changing with him off half back, half forward, it became apparent that the middle was where he needed to be, and when he got back into the team this year, he yeah had a few rusty games, I guess, but he never really looked back after that game against the Bulldogs where he tagged Tom Liberatore out of the game. And yeah, uh, what, what, do you, what do you reckon, Dad? This is this is just another one of those really good feel-good stories and one of those guys you want to have in your team.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I think in 2018 when Melbourne had their upswing, uh, that coincided with Harms becoming a much more influential player and, uh, Yeah, maximizing, I guess. He's probably not the type of guy that, you know, is blessed with the most natural ability, although he does try to fend off quite often. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I guess probably the games of his that have stood out to me the most is where he does actually uh, go to a player and sort of takes the influence out of the game a little bit and able to get going back the other way. Often he does bob up with a goal or two in his better games as well. I guess he's probably been on the periphery of Melbourne's team sort of for much of the year. Uh, I don't know how many games he actually played. I think he played, you know, a fair few, but if there was probably one midfielder that was going to be sort of on the edge of selection, um, you know, maybe that's Harms now. But I think uh, he's he's played his role in the team very well and, uh, yeah, maximized his ability, I think.
1: He actually finished with 18 games, uh, which isn't too bad, I guess, Um, because he was injured early in the year, I think, wasn't he? Um, But, yeah, look, I I think these are great stories. These are also the kinds of guys you want, as you mentioned before, when you're building a culture, I guess. It's good to have this guy who followed the club as a kid and I guess in his draft story probably had a bit of i like the chip on shoulder story the, the <laughs> one where the guy has to really work hard to get his chance yeah and, yeah and he is just uh yeah he works very very hard on his fitness and yeah running's running's a very difficult element of the game dan it's 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 hard to get it right and yeah not easy at all so if you've got guys like this who just run until they can't <laughs> um yeah, no, I, I'm really really happy to have uh have Harmsey in the team.
0: Okay, let's keep going. See Oliver at number eighteen here. So pick four in the two thousand and fifteen draft kinda came from nowhere. I think uh wasn't on a lot of clubs radars here, although he was predicted to be a bit of a bolter and go in the top twenty-five. I don't think many teams thought he'd be going this early. And, uh, yeah, I guess Melvin ha- took a bit of a gamble here, but, uh, yeah, it really paid off very quickly.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Um, I yeah, I can't quite remember what the story was there, but I do remember um, people thinking that he could have an instant impact. But, yeah, I can't quite remember that, what happened in the lead-up.
0: Yeah, I think he was one of these guys that matured a little bit later. Yeah. He might have actually missed out on some representative teams uh, Not too long before he was drafted, or I'm not exactly sure of the exact timeline, but he wasn't always necessarily on the trajectory to, you know, go higher up in a draft, so or even maybe be taken as an AFL player. So, yeah, it was a rapid rise. Uh, I think he won the Morrish medal in the competition he'd been playing in. I'm not sure what that one was, but yeah, definitely rapid improvement. Uh, towards the end of that draft year, and it was enough. Melbourne had seen enough to take him at pick four.
1: Yep, yep, that's right. Um, I th- yeah, I think the Morish is something to do with the VFL or something. I can't. Yeah, no, maybe not. Uh, okay. Maybe not. Yeah, yep. it might be, better. but yeah. Um, another, I guess, yeah, slightly unorthodox way into the the top flight, but yeah, picked up at number four they obviously had some pretty high hopes for him. And, yeah, they weren't disappointed. disappointed at so, all. <laughs>
0: 2016, really quite an amazing season for a first-year player, yep. massing heaps of possessions, feeding out to teammates. And, uh yeah, it only got better in the second year, 2017, where he won the best and, fear- best and fairest in his second year. And I think I remember in that year, he did actually miss out on all Australian selection. Pretty hard to get selected as a midfielder. But yeah, I remember thinking that he wouldn't have been out of place in no. the all Australian team for that particular season.
1: Yeah, his second year was uh, just a lightning improvement, uh, even though he came in obviously with a, a good first year. But he he just, all of a sudden, he just looked every bit the part of a, a midfielder that had played 150 plus games. <laughs> I mean, he was just. Doing everything to get the ball out. Uh, he was a little bit more handball happy back then, but uh, in fact, he actually averaged twenty two handballs a game in twenty seventeen. <laughs> yeah, just I guess
0: that was the knock on him, wasn't it? Like, yeah, he, he was quite influential in twenty seventeen. But moving on from there, in uh, two thousand. So no, he so in two thousand and eighteen he actually improved again, and he was all Australian in two thousand eighteen. So. Yes. Um, He got the recognition the year after, so two very good years there. But uh did his influence did start to wane a little bit in two thousand and nineteen and two thousand and twenty, which I guess uh coincided with uh some poor reform for Melbourne in general. And yeah, he was getting a lot of handballs, probably more handballs than he should have been kicking more, really, and uh these, this sort of short handball started coming into his game yep. more and more where he'd basically just be putting another player into uh, you know a pretty bad position and uh, wasn't really helping Melbourne that much. So, yeah, I guess handball happy is the term you used. But, yeah, he just wasn't making the best decisions with ball in hand through this 2019-2020 stretch, I think. And, yeah, I guess some people were starting to question... Uh, you know, where the improvement was going to come from or, like, could he become a bit more adaptable? Could he kick a bit more? What could he do to actually be a bit more influential?
1: Yeah, because he wasn't a bad kick, I think, when he was drafted. He wasn't, I guess, the elite kick, but he could kick. Um, He just didn't. And, um, yeah, I don't know if it was a confidence thing or, or, or what. Or he just, yeah, I think... His thing, his thing when he came in when he was drafted was definitely getting to the bottom of a pack and getting a lightning handball out Like it was, it was especially at the time when um, there was a bit more congestion in the game. It was a definitely a good weapon to sort of move on from congestion. Um, just getting those lightning hands out and shifting the ball. But um, yeah, this year when I, when I think of Clayton Oliver, this year a lot of my memories of him this year of him kicking. Then <laughs> that's a great great thing, isn't it? I mean For sure. Yeah, it's uh it's pretty good.
0: So yeah, I think that was definitely as one would early on, you know, cracking hard and get the handball out. Yeah. And yeah, he's still very he's, much a yeah. clearance player, but he can find it a bit more on the outside now. And uh when he gets the ball I think he's a lot more damaging now. So he'll often take multiple steps or even, mm. you know, quite a number of steps to actually get Away from the contest and have a better chance of actually, you know, getting a decent kick away. And yeah, there's plenty of Melbourne's better plays this year where it's Oliver winning the ball or receiving at a stoppage and you know using his quick
1: powering burst. Mm. He's
0: got a he's got a good burst on him Very to get away advice. from the contest. So yeah, I think the coaches would have been encouraging him to actually do that a bit more often. And I remember seeing it. A bit in two thousand and twenty, he had a couple of really good games where he did just that, using his speed away from the contest, as well as you know winning the ball as he always does. But yeah, that really stood out, and uh, yeah, his his game's gone to another level. Obviously, this year, uh, much more effective with his kicking and uh, just being more willing to actually hold onto the ball a little bit longer, not worrying about getting the handball off straight yeah, away and it being off. willing to you know break the tackle or just try and get into a bit of a better position before actually getting rid of it. And, uh, yeah, I guess he's one of these guys who's definitely bought into the whole selfless mantra that Melbourne's been preaching, uh, being a little bit more accountable, defensive running, uh, which has been great. And, uh, yeah, some stuff has come out about the grand final, the fact that, you know, Bonapelli was getting very hot in that second quarter, and I think in much of the second half, Oliver was yeah. paying a little bit more attention to Bondapelli. It wouldn't have been a tag, but, you know, just no, paying just him enough respect to, him. to make sure he wasn't going to be getting things all his own way.
1: Yeah, and that's what you should do. You should pay respect to those kinds of players, so not let them run free. But, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, so he signed a new contract, I think, this year for a two-year extension. So he's there till the end of 2023. Um, hopefully we can sign another one soon but uh yeah <laughs> i think he's pretty happy with the you know, direction the club's going so yeah so it uh, was his third yeah. in the
0: Brownlow this year and he won the coaches award i guess you know a lot of people would have thought he probably should have won the Brownlow, but you know he had petrarca taking votes off him he was right up there and uh very influential the umpires didn't miss him and uh yeah so many games over 30 possessions and uh He's just a clearance bull. Like when Melbourne needs something to change in a game, he's often the one that actually does it, gets the ball going back Melbourne's way. And I think probably the game that stands out to me most, uh, there were so many good games he had, but probably that one against Adelaide where Melbourne ultimately lost. I think he got something close to like 180 super coach points. Like it was just crazy influential, kicked a couple of goals. Uh, So his best games are definitely uh, better now, even though they were very good before.
1: No, that was the best midfield game I think I've seen from anyone this year.
0: And I guess going back to the number four pick here that they took him with, I think this is probably another one of these key parts to actually shaping this tilted premiership. If Melbourne doesn't take Oliver at that pick four, then uh, again, they don't have their second sort of star midfielder. And uh, again... Not sure whether it would happen. Maybe it happens in a different way, but yes, I think the dual threat of you know Petrarca and Oliver. There's not just one of them. It makes it a lot harder to actually, uh, you know, defend or just you know get the the game on your terms. And there's so many plays in the grand final where they were you know sharing it out of a stoppage and uh, getting the ball going Melbourne's way very uh, in a dangerous way.
1: Well, I'm just looking at it. if Melbourne doesn't take Oliver at pick four. Who could they have taken? Well, I'm just looking at some of these names after. So there's Darcy Paris straight after. There's Jacob Hopper at seven. Uh, there's Calamarchi at pick eight. And there's a few. there's, there's a, few. Look, a few. There are a options. few. So there's good talent there, but I'd be, even out of those, I'd probably still be going with Clayton Oliver. I think yeah, that yeah. he just offers something that's perfect for our team and it's it's a it was a perfect fit for what we needed. We went with the big bodies and the, the guys who could win contested footy at the start of Goodwin's time, and I guess towards the end of Roosie's time. And, yeah, they, were, they had a plan, they stuck to it, and it's delivered. So, yeah, while there's other good players there that could have gone, I think we made the right choice.
0: Yeah, definitely nailed that pick. A bold decision. Let's move on. Let's go to Bailey Fritch.
1: Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. This Man with the perfect hair. Yeah, <laughs> this is a bit. Of, this is definitely a favourite of mine. Uh, pick thirty-one in the twenty seventeen draft, the pick that we got for trading Jack Watts to Port Adelaide. Um, strap yourself in just for a little bit of a story. Then uh, this will probably be the longest player one that I do. But uh, yes, I'd been somewhat. You j- we were all very jaded at the end of the twenty seventeen season. It was a good season, but uh, we wanted to make the finals and we missed out on point whatever it was percent. I can't remember. Um, And, you know, these fans at this time of year, we're usually accustomed to turning our attention to the trade period and the draft. And we didn't have any great picks that year uh, because we'd done a bit of trading the year before to get guys like Jordan Lewis in. So we did have to get creative. And throughout 2017, people, I heard a lot of people talking about this guy in the VFL for Casey. 21-year-old, mature-age, Sparky from Coldstream. But he was tearing games apart, and he had a big leap on him. He could kick a goal, big left foot, kick 42 goals for the year, and finished runner-up in the goal-kicking. And he was just a really exciting-looking player, getting a lot of traction amongst uh, a lot of the the experts. And, um, yeah, he was just one of those guys... I always felt like with Melbourne... We, Melbourne's always got to have at least one exciting forward, I always feel, and a guy who can take a screamer, you know we, the history's just littered with guys like this you know, Robbo, Farmer Jara. you know, all these guys and I just, yeah absolutely, and I just felt like it would be nice to have a guy like this, and yeah it it was one of those situations, pretty much everyone I was hearing and all the experts were saying, oh, this this guy will get drafted, he's definitely gonna get drafted if it's not Melbourne it'll be someone so I kind of went all in on him Dan there's not (laughs) there's many players like this that haven't worked out in the AFL that do get drafted but uh, I just yeah uh, I don't do this with many players but I just decided to be all in on Bailey Fritch and it happened on draft night if some I wasn't I didn't actually think he'd fall to pick 31 I thought someone would get him but somehow he did and I was absolutely stoked when he did (laughs) and from then on uh, without really knowing how good he could be I was just totally on the fridge train uh, I pumped him up so much to my friend Alex who I usually go to Melbourne Guns with I kept telling him that he was going to save the club and you know all that <laughs> stuff and I think I annoyed him so much to the point that he actually said during preseason to me he goes oh, I, I almost wish this guy would get injured so he'd shut up about him <laughs> but, um, I don't know what it was Dan I, I rarely do this with players but in his first game I got I'm um, Encouraged Alex to put a bet on him for kicking the first goal, and he actually did in round one, 2018. (laughs) So, want to turn 10 bucks into 100 bucks? There, it hasn't all been smooth sailing for Bailey. He did have his position chopped and changed around a little bit, but no matter whether he was forward, wing, or back, or whatever, he he never seemed to waste the ball. He he would use it quite well and good poise. Yeah, absolutely. And finally, they moved him up forward, where it was probably you know. Unanimous that that's his best position, and uh, I know I mentioned on the podcast earlier in the year I did have a, a little bit of a uh, not a whinge, but I did when he was having the yips in front of goal. I did sort of say that those set shots were were potentially holding us back, but he really seemed to knuckle down on that part of his game, and he's kicking as well as anyone right now. And yeah, I, I never thought he was a bad kicker. It just I thought that was something that he definitely had the potential to get right, and yeah, he. It's, it, it did make the difference in the end. It was sensational. Six goals in a grand final. Um, I did actually say last week that Jarman only had five in the 97. He did actually have six, so apologies for that. But, uh, equal to Jarman. Equal to <laughs> Jarman. But, yeah, look, what a story. Not bad from the, uh, the kid from Coldstream.
0: For sure. I think he's one of these guys that really benefits from having some of the bigger bodies in the forward line. We saw it with uh, that GWS game where you know, Brown had gone out of the side and they were playing, you know, Wiedemann and Jackson as the tools, I suppose. Yeah. That they were going to Fritch a lot in one on one contests and it's not not really his go. Like he needs other no. forwards around to either, you know, be sort of controlling the pack a little bit or, you know, so he has more of a chance to get out on the lead. He's not gonna be the guy that you can just sit on his head. He's no. not that size. So No. I think yeah He's going to be at his best when Melbourne has two other tall forwards, and I think that's what this year has shown uh, us. And uh, you know, earlier in his career, where they were trying to play him forward, Melbourne didn't have these guys. They didn't have the power forwards there to actually help him be the best player he could be. So I think that's been a big part of it. And like he was, he's still a good player without those guys there, but he's he much better with um with them there. And uh, yeah, he got plenty of shots last year, very inaccurate. And this early this year, kind of started out the same way. But, yeah, I don't know. It all clicked for him. I coined, I guess, the fritch fade, where yeah. <laughs> he sort of, uh, instead of a hook, it sort of actually just sort of looks like he doesn't quite kick through it and it'll just sort of like fade off to the left from his left boot. But, uh, yeah, most of them are going very straight now, so he's definitely fixed that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, really happy for him. Uh, he kicked 42, I think. No, sorry. How many did he kick? 59 no sorry yeah yeah um yeah absolutely sensational year for for Bailey and yeah hopefully he's I know a there's player. a
0: couple of finals in there but yeah like second most goals for the year now
1: yeah absolutely absolutely um yeah I hope he's a Melbourne player for years to come I think uh, yeah as i said I always felt that it's just it's part of Melbourne's DNA, I think, to just have an exciting forward. I think at the time I was probably still miffed about losing Jeremy Howe or something like that. I don't know, I was, but um, yeah, he's a smart footballer. Leads to the right spots. Really gets. He's just very smart at getting his marks inside fifty. Even if he ends up on tight angles, he's proven he can occasionally dob those shots. Yeah, he's um, quite
0: good on the angle, isn't
1: he? He is. He, Especially he's bad on bad. the left hand side, which you'd think would be the yep. wrong side. Absolutely. And as we said last week, there's probably few players in that forward line that you would want taking a big shot at goal. So, yeah. Yeah. So just
0: a couple of last points. Obviously, he's predominantly a marking player, but still very good on the ground Yep, and uh, quite agile as well. And, uh, yeah, can link up. But, uh, yeah, probably at his best where he's taking a shot. And, uh, yeah, I guess he did have a bit of a knock on him that, Maybe he wasn't putting on the most pressure, but I think he's definitely improved that side yep. of his game this year as well. So, uh, yeah, valuable more, cog, yeah. valuable cog in Melbourne's system, and uh, yeah, I think he's had quite a few games this year where he's actually bobbed up for sort of four plus goals. So, very dangerous when he gets the run of the game going his way.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's funny. It was probably only about six weeks ago now, but um, remember his seven goal game against Adelaide. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think. What did he he kick Melbourne's last five goals in that yeah. game? I think, and a couple of, I think three of them were very quick in the last think, quarter. Better,
1: I think three. The last three, I think, were in the last ninety seconds. That wasn't too <laughs> dissimilar from the grand final how Melbourne piled on the goals
0: for sure. All right, let's keep going. Yep, twentieth player is Charlie Spargo. So he was actually the 29th ninth pick in the two thousand and seventeen draft. So very late in the first round there, I think after a few, uh, other players got, you know, priority picks and all that sort of stuff. So 29 was actually still in the first round. I'm pretty sure at that point. Uh, so he was, uh, drafted as a 173 centimeter player, uh, just a natural footballer, really. Like I remember watching his draft video and yeah, he had great skills, uh, seemed to know how to get to the right spots. And, uh, yeah, look like a, just a natural footballer. Um, I guess early on, which is the case with a lot of small forwards, I suppose, like they just go missing in games a lot. And uh, even he just seemed completely ineffectual. I can't remember whether it was, two thousand and nineteen or two thousand and twenty, but I think maybe it was two thousand and nineteen. Like he just seemed like he couldn't get near it. But uh, I think yeah, in two thousand and twenty, things started getting a fair bit better like just gradually building his influence and uh, obviously like as a small forward you're never going to get a huge amount of the ball but he's slowly improving and uh, yeah in 2021 I guess it's kind of been his breakout year he's uh, putting on a huge amount of pressure he's one of Melbourne's best inside 50 kicks and uh, he can kick a goal or two every now and then he's pretty good on the set shot as long as he's within 35 metres and very good at you know getting the snap off and uh yeah he's just another valuable cog to that melbourne forward line all of which can kick multiple goals on any one occasion and yeah i suppose very early on in that first year or two it was looking a little dodgy but uh it just took a little bit of time to find his feet i suppose
1: yeah he was always going to be up against it a bit i guess being one of those real small players and uh yeah, I mean, you just wondered like, do you need to have, do you need to have a stronger body these days? I guess uh, it doesn't seem like there's many of those, I guess those Nathan Burke type players anymore. Um, he was getting the comparisons to Caleb Daniel instantly, and at <laughs> in that first year, I kind of just thought that was wishful thinking. I thought, oh yeah, yeah, I'm sure he's he's a good kick, and you know he spots up guys like that, but not everyone is going to be like Caleb Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think it, yeah it was maybe midway through last year when he came in there did seem to be a, a spot for him in the forward line where he, the one thing he just the one thing he doesn't do is give up he just never ever gives up on the contest he's always in there always trying to tackle and it did sort of seem like even if he wasn't going to kick that many goals if he was applying pressure in the forward line that was the one thing we were dying out for uh, sorry crying out for in the forward line was that pressure because it was pretty unbalanced. We were chopping and changing Milksham, Hannon, uh, Fritter was always up there. But, um, Spargo would come in. Uh, the One thing that people don't really say about Mitch Hannon is that he didn't really offer that much in the way of forward 50 pressure. Um, I know he was playing more of a, I guess a marking sort of target, not target, but maybe more towards a Fritch than a, a Spargo. But I found that he would pick and choose his moments to to apply pressure. It wasn't as consistent as someone like Spargo, so I think we've made the right call there personally. And yeah, he's definitely forged his place in the team. And he kicks a, he, he does kick a goal when it's when it's needed.
0: Yeah, he's kicked a lot of clutch goals in the second half of the season. Uh, a couple of really important ones in that Geelong game down at the Cattery late. And uh, yep. yeah, just. Uh, quintessential small forward, I guess. You yep. know, very good skills. Very smart. And uh, can find the ball as well, uh, just enough to make him dangerous.
1: Yes, yes. And and another good story about one of those guys you weren't sure would make it, but works, works their butt off and they get in the team and success.
0: All right, let's keep going. So I think we've got Harrison Petty next.
1: Yes, we do. So Harry Petty. And I'm just finding the right place for Harry Petty. So, yeah, pick number 37 in the 2017 draft. This was one of the picks that came back for Jake Lever. uh, Sorry, with Jake Lever in that trade. Intercepting defender from Norwood. So, from South Australia. Had a horrid first game on the (laughs) NCG. Do you remember it, Dan? Um, Round 15 2018 against the Saints. Nothing went right for him. Yeah,
0: I remember he looked very shaky. (laughs) Oh, he looked
1: very shaky. He he was beaten. He may may have dropped a mark or two. Uh, I can't really remember because I've blocked it all out, to be honest, but it was a baptism of fire. But, look, since then, steadily he's worked and he's looked very good at Casey. He's gone strength to strength. You hear really good reports of his progress or well, you heard really good reports of his uh, progress okay Casey and although it was under bad circumstances with Adam Tomlinson going down he was able to get his chance this year took a little bit of time to get going um his strength is definitely is that rebounding defender that you know could be another intercept guy I think I actually think he'll end up like another Stephen May or you know or a lever he's definitely great he's he's reading of the play and and being sort of aggressive off the back line is his skill, but he's definitely improved in his one-on-one. Took a lot of strides this year, and I think his best game in that area was against Tom Hawkins in the prelim. Um, yeah, real happy for Harrison. I always, I liked it. I thought it was a good draft pick at the time. I thought he definitely, he reminded me at the time of um, when we draft, it's going back a fair way, but when we drafted Jared Rivers, I just thought another South Australian, good yeah, yeah. intercept, read the play defender. um, Yeah, and in future, you never know, he could even have the odd stint up forward. He, he can actually kick for goal as well. I think he'll be a backman, but it's always good to have something like that up your sleeve. What are your thoughts on Harrison, Dan?
0: Yeah, I guess people were a little bit worried about what would happen when Tomlinson went down and, yeah, Petty has done at least as good as Thomas was doing, if anything, probably a better job. So I think just how well he was doing on sort of the second key forward, it's probably released Lever even more than he was maybe in the first half of the season. So, yeah, and I think he can definitely, you know, take a mark himself. So uh, I remember some of his games earlier in the season It was a bit worrying when he had the ball. (laughs) Like, he wasn't the best with ball in hand, but it steadily got better. And, uh, yeah, he's not very shaky there at all now. So, yeah, I think he's just one of these guys doing his job. Hopefully, he'll continue to develop and, uh, yeah, can hold down a place in Melbourne's back line for a long time to come.
1: Yep, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: All right, so the next player we're going to have a look at is Tom Sparrow. So, he was taken in the 2018 draft at pick 27, so another first, I think this is actually second round pick this time, so the, uh, you know, the draft from year to year can be a bit different between first and second round, depending on how many priority selections there are and all that sort of thing, so, uh, yeah, Melman had two picks around this spot in the draft, and, uh yeah, they took two guys, Sparrow and Jordan, who seemed to be completely off the radar. <laughs> at least from what I could tell from the backstory, I'm not even sure. Like, probably they probably would have got drafted, but yeah, it could have. They could have. They could have slipped a long way down the draft. So, I think Melbourne, you know, were definitely going off the beaten track to get Sparrow and Jordan into the team here. So that was interesting in itself. Obviously, both midfielders. And uh, just trying to add to the depth there, I suppose. So, yeah, just in terms of Sparrow, I think yeah he's developed very well in the last couple of years with limited opportunities. But, yeah, he really solidified his spot in the second half of 2021. And, yeah, just a couple of the things to me that stand out about him is he's just really hard at it. Uh, kind of like in the Jack Viney mold a little bit with how hard he's tackling and, you know... Uh, The other thing that really stands out is just how good a kick he is. He's got a booming right foot kick and uh, very clean when he does get the ball. Uh, Really everything you want from a developing midfielder, I think. And yeah, I guess time will tell whether he can take the next steps. But I wouldn't be surprised if pretty soon we have uh, Sparrow going past Harms and maybe even nipping on the heels of uh, Viney for some of this uh, midfield attention and the role he could potentially play there. But yeah, I think he's been a really good sort of fringe player for Melbourne in the latter half of the year and uh, been very valuable.
1: Yep. Yep. Totally agree. Um, Yeah. My first impressions were he was a real good 50, 50 player, like with those 50, 50 contests. Um, Yeah. I didn't realize he was as good a kick as he is. I, I, I didn't see him get, a whole lot of the ball early on so that's always something but yeah uh, uh, some of he had some brilliant kicks in the grand final really i mean even i know it was sort of the fourth quarter and that but i reckon he set up about th- two or three of those goals <laughs> with some beautiful kicks especially that real long one to brown don't like put him right in the spot where only brown could mark it he had uh, some
0: moments in the first half that really stood out to me as well like yeah. he just seems to be one of those guys that does make the most of the ball when he's getting it. When he's getting it, very yeah. clean, yeah. very clean.
1: Absolutely, um, and just yeah, real robust, solid. Uh, uh, not a not a pushover type body at all. <laughs> um, yeah, I I think he's got a lot of potential, and um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how his his career tracks.
0: Absolutely, so I'm sure the best is yet to come for Sparrow, but uh, yeah. Be interesting to see how he develops over the next couple of years. So, we've got another very exciting young player, the uh, NAB Rising Star Award winner for this year, Luke Jackson, to go do next.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, Action Jackson, as I call him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, pick number three in the 2019 draft. Uh, it, it was a funny pick because he was clearly the one we had to take it had been so long since a standout Ruckman was taken in the top 10 of the draft. I think the last one was Billy Longer eight years earlier. Um, so it, it seemed like it was fraught with a little bit of um, a bit of risk, but he was definitely the player to take in that, in that pick. If that makes any sense whatsoever. Um, yeah. just It was very evident with Jackson early that he was a very good, uh, mobile Ruckman. He he moved like a midfielder, uh, athletic basketball background, good below his knees. The thing I loved about Jackson from the start was just his, his second efforts and his attack on the ball. And he just seemed to be one of those guys that totally missed the memo on being a Ruckman. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> you know, you can, you can leave that stuff to the smaller guys, but no, he doesn't believe in that. He's just, he can win a hit out and do his own roving. Um, Yeah, rising star this year, and his work on Grand Final Day was incredible. Uh, Just that contested mark he took on the wing when the chips were slightly down, and then playing on and kicking it to Brown. His third quarter, which arguably helped us win the game. He's going to be a super player, Dan, in this competition. I think uh, he's just impossible to match up on, and I really hope it's at Melbourne. (laughs) The cap's squeezing, and he's out of contract next year, but... Yeah, he, he seems to be enjoying his time at Melbourne. I really, really hope that we can tie him to a long-term contract.
0: Yeah, I like our chances of keeping him, especially just with the success we've had already and how close he seems to go on. But uh, yeah. yeah, I guess that tug of going home to WA is going to be there, at least for this first decision. But Yeah,
1: especially yeah, in COVID times.
0: Very exciting player. Like For a Ruckman to be doing what he's doing in his first couple of years is pretty amazing very steep uh, rise in his second year. But even in his first year, he's just one of those guys that was always hunting the ball, always trying to get into the best position he could. And he just seems to be able to read the game a lot better than a lot of big men who try and play in the ruck. And uh, again, he's just one of these guys that seems like a natural footballer, which kind of seems to go against, you know, the fact that he did sort of come from a basketball background, but he just seems to know where to go and, uh, yeah, yeah, the game. He just makes the game look a lot easier than does. a lot of other players do.
1: He's got some real natural footy smarts, that's for sure.
0: So he's got the flair, and uh, yeah, he could really be anything. Yeah, like
1: the sky's the limit.
0: People have been talking about, you know, once he develops a bit more, you could even actually have Gone playing in the ruck and Jackson playing as the tallest ever ruck rover. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could. So you could. I'm not you- sure. What benefit? Whether that would be a huge benefit? Maybe it would be, but like you could do it, which is kind of crazy by itself. And
1: he was you quite dangerous. You could do it, yeah. You could do it. He's he's got. He does occasionally remind me of Adam Goods, just with the the I guess uh, yeah. running ruckman. Uh, but yeah, he obviously wasn't a ruckman for his whole career. So yeah, I think he could.
0: Yeah, and I think he's done enough up forward. You know, takes a mark every now and then. I think what stands out a bit more is where he comes up onto half-forward or the wing and he'll often take a really strong mark yes. to get it going back Melbourne's way. And I think we've talked about it in the podcast a lot of the year, the fact that he just never gets outmarked. Even if he's not marking it, no one else is marking it. So It's very hard to <laughs> mark on him. Very it's pretty hard. crazy for a second-year player to be saying that. So who knows what's going to happen next? But, uh, you know, it seems like... As long as he works hard at it, then uh, he's likely to become one of the best players in the competition.
1: Oh, yeah. Yep. No argument there.
0: So sign him up.
1: (laughs) Sign him tomorrow.
0: Yes. (laughs) All right. Who's next?
1: All right. So we move on to the next pick in the 2019 draft, which is Cozzy Pickett. Number 12. He was selected at loads of talent. A lot of us saw that video in the SCNFL uh, where he, one of his pressure acts and he just completely cleaned that guy off the the ball. And uh, just, yeah, great, great uh, presence in that forward line. Um, Throughout 2019, all we heard Simon Goodwin say in his press conferences were we need to get connection between the mids and forwards and we need forward 50 pressure to lock the ball in their 50. I felt like we heard that every single week and that that was the plan. Um, obviously for, uh, the, for the first one, we, well not, not so much the first one, but we got, we made the move to get Ed Langdon to patrol the wings, but we did need some grunt and relentless pressure in the forward 50 because we just weren't getting it. We weren't getting it from anywhere. And, you know, Jeff Garlett. as much as I loved him, he would pick and choose when to go. And, uh, yeah, it was a bit inconsistent and frustrating, and the ball would just exit our 50 over and over again. You remember it, Dan. It was our inside 50 count would reach record numbers and we'd do nothing with it. It would come out so quickly.
0: It came out very easily, though. Oh, is for sure. <laughs>
1: so quick. So a lot of people thought this pick was a bit of a reach at pick 12. I don't think there were that many other uh, clubs that would have. I think they would have selected Pickett, but I don't think they would have selected him up there at pick 12. Um, But we took the plunge, and earlier, you know, he was one of those guys early on that uh, if he was in the vicinity of the ball, you knew he was going to influence the play somehow. Uh, A tackle, a knock on, a possession. He didn't kick a lot of goals in the first season, but you just knew that his effort was always there. And this year, he just improved out of sight. The goals were there this time. He (laughs) went from kicking seven in 2020 to 40 in 2021.
0: He was very inaccurate in 2020 as well. Yeah, so he was. He had the blinkers.
1: He had the blinkers in front of goal. Um, but he's improved his kicking a lot this year. Uh, he's, I, I think he's said he's put a lot of work into the set shots. And, geez, what a player then! <laughs> what a player! He's the excitement machine for so
0: long. Melbourne was crying out for a good small forward. They just like I know they had Gala and before that. There was a bit of a dearth for quite a while, but they just didn't have this player that could you know, pressure inside 50 relentlessly and be very dangerous as an attacking option as well. So yeah, even from his first season, Pickett was doing so much for Melbourne, even if he wasn't kicking that many goals. He was hunting the opposition down with the pressure and relentless tackling. He was just making everything harder for them, so that was a big tick right there, and you He's only he's taken it to another level this year with his pressure and plenty of uh, two and three goal games and he can do some miraculous things weaving in and out of traffic, bursts of speed. It's a pretty good mark for his size. He's got it all really.
1: Oh, uh, he yeah. There's not many players that move like him. I mean he he sometimes he twerks like he just gets into these positions that not even some of the best small forwards can't do. Uh, and yeah, I guess that's why he's drawn the praise, uh, drawn the comparisons to Cyril Rioli.
0: So he made, uh, I think he was top three in goal of the year. So he, that was that one against St. Kilda where he sort of, uh, danced around a couple of opponents before getting the snap away. So yeah, I remember, remember going through that one, uh, in one of the episodes we did. So yeah, fantastic goal. And, uh, yeah, another one of these guys very early on in his career. Looks like he could be anything. And, uh, hopefully he continues to improve. And, of course, his uncle is Byron Pickett and he's got that real tough streak as well when he can line someone up. He'll uh, he'll tackle to hurt and put a bit of a hit on, usually very fairly. Yeah, so, within the rules. But uh, he can definitely, for a guy his size, he can put a good hit on. <laughs> he can put some, yeah, he can put some pain in there. Absolutely. So it's quite amazing. We haven't uh, talked about Rivers. I think that might be the next one on That's your next list, one. journey. But just... Just in reference to this, Melbourne got all these guys in the same draft. Kind of amazing. Jackson, Pickett, Rivers. And basically, they've played almost every game since. Yep. And uh, you know, the only reason they got all these guys so high up was because of that horrid season in 2019. So yeah. it was amazing for Melbourne to actually get this second well, I don't know, maybe it's not the second injection, but another injection of just really high end talent to add to what was already a very talented list. So when you're looking at why Melbourne bounced the way they did, I think the poor season in 2019 actually helped them a lot more than you would think. And also just showing them that, you know, what they were doing wasn't good enough and things had to change. So even though it was a horrible season for a fan, I think it was actually a very important season in what actually happens in the next couple of years.
1: Yep. Yep, it definitely helped. And that's the perfect segue into Trent Rivers, who was pick number 32 in the 2019 draft out of East Fremantle. One of the reasons he actually dropped it, pick 32, Dan, was because he missed quite a lot of that season. In fact, he missed the preseason and early season with East Fremantle because of glandular fever. Uh, but yes, yes, Melbourne went all in on the 2019 draft. They identified their targets and came up trumps. I mean, Rivers is a composed defender, rarely misses targets, very safe and reliable kick. He did float forward occasionally last year, and he kicked that ripping goal against GWS to seal the game.
0: It's a pretty long kick, isn't he?
1: Yeah, Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, played all 25 games in 2021 and averaged 15 possessions with an average disposal efficiency of 76%. Um, once again, couldn't be happier with the way this guy has progressed. And at twenty years of age, as a Premiership player,
0: yeah, quite amazing, really. From right from the outset, he just looks like a guy who's, you know, very composed. he looks like he's been out there for a, and played a lot more games than he has. And uh, you know, he'll he'll go as hard as anyone when the ball's out of his one. Uh, good running capacity, uh, I think. I've heard some people talking about whether he could actually become a midfielder at some point, and he probably could. Maybe. If I was Melbourne, I'd be inclined just to keep him in the back line. I think he fits the mould perfectly. Unless they really need a midfielder for some reason, I'd be keeping him in the back line.
1: Maybe the occasional rotation into the middle, but I would keep him down back. I think that's definitely his go, and, yeah, why change it?
0: Yeah, so I guess with like the success of uh Jackson and Pickett, Rivers probably hasn't got as much attention as he would have otherwise. Like he's had a cracking start to his career, but I guess he just is just another one of Melbourne's very good players and like he just gets a little bit lost in translation a bit. But I think, you know, Melbourne supporters understand just how good he's been and how important he'll be going forward. All right. 26th, second last, we've got James Jordan. So did a bit of the James Jordan intro before. So he was pick number 33 in the 2018 draft. Uh, I guess in the first half of the season, yeah, he was probably having his most influential patch as a Melbourne player, getting a lot of possessions, uh, doing, you know, some of the hard things as well. But yeah, to me, he just sort of seems like a bit of an accumulator. Uh, does enough with the ball without being super damaging. But yeah, he's drawn some comparisons with Simon Black with his ability to win the ball, I guess. He just always seems to be in the right spot. And I'm guessing he's still got a lot of development. But uh, yeah, already uh, producing plenty of uh, good games with high possession counts. And uh, yeah, I guess he got kind of overtaken by Sparrow in the second half of 2021. It was kind of Sparrow who was the medical sub a lot of the time in the first half of the season. That kind of switched to Jackson in the second half. Uh, sorry, to uh, Jordan in the second half of the season. And yes, he was the medie sub in the grand final and didn't get on the ground, but he still gets the premiership medallion.
1: Yeah. And look, overall, I'm, I'm not fussed about that. I thought he had a pretty good season. For most of it. He's a very good tackler. He definitely gets up there in the tackle count. Um yeah, look, oh, oh, he's a developing player. And I probably thought a little bit the same that he, he can accumulate a bit. Maybe maybe his stats do inflate his game a bit. But um yeah, no, he definitely wins some good ball, and I think there's definitely something there. And
0: he's a pretty good, a good size good. as well. Like it kind of surprised be sometimes to see some of the things he was doing, and he just he looks like a guy who's got sort of a footballer's body. If that makes sense, yeah, yeah, like he he's, does. he's bigger than you'd think he is.
1: He's definitely. Uh, I think he would be. Um, I think he'd be up around Clary's height. Yes, uh, but yeah, look like, this is a good problem to have. Like, uh, you, if you have a good list and a good midfield, there are going to be guys that miss out occasionally, and unfortunately. He was one of them in the grand final. Well, it was the medical stuff, but yeah, it's, yeah, this is a good problem to have. you got to have guys fighting for spots.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. Lucky last Jake Bowie. So he actually made his debut in round 20 versus Gold Coast. And Bowie has never lost a game. <laughs> seven <laughs> from seven. He uh, came in when Hunt got injured with that ankle. And, uh, yeah, he'd been developing well in the VFL and uh, he had been hearing a lot of good things. And I guess he came in at a good time uh, when Melbourne was, you know, uh, gearing up for the tilt at the finals. And uh, yeah, just a couple of things that have really stood out about uh, the diminutive Jake Bowie. Very composed under pressure, always seems to take the right option and kicking skills are absolutely elite, already being compared in some quarters to Caleb Daniel and Whitfield. Mm. And uh, yeah, this kicking doesn't look out of place on that list at all and had some absolute bullets in the grand final that set up some great plays for Melbourne. And uh, yeah, very reliable kick, even though he's only played seven games. And we've talked about this a little bit in other podcasts, but just briefly, the fact that oppositions now have... Uh, Bowie and Salem to contend with. It just makes it a little bit easier for Melbourne to get into one of those creative halfbacks to actually use the ball coming out. And uh, the other thing is, I think he's worked a lot on his, uh, you know, uh, defense and uh, being able to compete strongly when he needs to. And he's got some great guys to learn off there. And uh, his want to learn has really stood out. And uh, yeah, he's actually a... Uh, Second-generation AFL player, so Brett Bowie did play 87 games for the Saints uh, through the 90s, I think it was, and uh, maybe it was slightly longer ago than that. Um, And, yeah, just uh, there was a story going around in grand final week or a couple of weeks leading up to it about uh, the fact that Jake would always pester his dad to kick... The ball with him out in the street just a little bit longer and mm-hmm. just over and over and over and I'm guessing they did this you know for years and it really shows with his kicking he is uh, he's, he's got all the different kicks in his arsenal yeah. and yeah. he very rarely misses so uh, it's been well worth it.
1: Oh, all for those, sure. All those nights out on the street. For sure. Um, I, I'm yeah, it was pretty obvious. Jake Bowie and Bailey Laurie were two of the best kicks in the draft. Uh, no doubt about that and yeah it's it's amazing seven games I, i'm trying to think of uh, another time where that's happened i know i know there's there are times when that's happened um how many games did goodwin play when he won in his maybe about 20 or something um, yeah it wasn't many it might have been in the teens yeah yeah um yeah but it definitely it it made an impact a lot of people believe that it It freed up Salem a little bit, and he wasn't being tended to as much, being the most lethal weapon off the back line, and I think it did, for sure. Um, And yeah, he he really does have all the kicks that you need, and even that kick into the space for the Brayshaw marked in the Grand Final, just how he was able to do that so quickly, but know exactly how much weight he had to put on it.
0: Yeah, he almost put nothing on it, but it was yeah, exactly the right amount.
1: It was just—it was a deft touch, yeah, deft touch, and yeah, I think there's a big future for Bowie, obviously, and yeah, how how good is that?
0: It's kind of amazing. So when he comes in in that round twenty game, basically in a couple of games he's cemented his spot. I think he's probably gone. In those couple of games, he's gone ahead of, in my mind at least, he's gone ahead of Hunt, he's gone ahead of Smith, and he's probably gone ahead of Hibbard. So in a couple of games, he's gone past three Melbourne players who've been in the defence the whole year, basically. Yeah. Well, maybe not Smith, but two of them.
1: Oh, very close. So, yeah, it's hard to argue that.
0: So an amazing uh, start, and uh, hopefully he can uh, keep it up and uh, keep improving. And, yeah, people were saying, you know, if he's going to be half as good as Caleb Daniel... We'd be very lucky, but you know, on the evidence we've seen so far, you could actually argue that he's actually going to be better than Caleb Daniel.
1: I think he's better early um, at this point, definitely. Yeah.
0: So the potential is definitely there.
1: But um, look, Daniel—very hard to to um, deny him. He, he also had a very good grand final uh, for most of it. I guess if you were doing a direct comparison
0: between the two now, what you would say is definitely in Bowie's favour is. His actual defensive work.
1: Yes, definitely. Got him covered. He doesn't just run off opponents in that, yeah.
0: So I guess he's sort of being made to do that within Melbourne's system, and he's very willing to do that. And, uh, yeah, it's a great thing.
1: And it's a good way to set you up for your career as well, to to have that um, accountability. And, um, yeah, I don't see any reason why you can't go strength to strength.